0: Hey, City Gates. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ryan, and I'm so glad to be here with you uh, this morning or wherever you are when you're watching this. Uh, Happy Sunday. Happy, um, yeah, happy time listening to God's Word and experiencing that. So with that, I just want to invite everybody, if you're at a watch party, if you're at home, to just stand. We're going to read God's Word together. We're going to be reading from 1 Peter 5, verses 12 to 14. So I just want to invite you, as you stand, feel free to just like put your hands out, just um, in your heart, just be ready to listen, to hear, take a deep breath. Feel free to close your eyes, open your eyes, look at the text on the page, um, whatever you need to do. Uh, This is about hearing what God wants to say to us this morning in his word. By Sylvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is God's word. You can feel free to be seated. So yeah, at first glance, it kind of it's kind of a question like, how do you preach a sermon on this passage? It kind of seems like uh, just like a, a sign-off paragraph. Like Peter is just sort of saying bye, and he's kind of doing it with some kind of strange Christianese. Like he's talking about Babylon and uh, a, a kind of a cliche phrase for a lot of people if you've been around church for a while, the grace of God and election. And yeah, it's just, its it's a bit strange. Like, how does this actually speak to where we find ourselves today? And then there's this also weird part about kissing. And I don't know about you, but like, I'm not sure if I've ever heard a a sermon on that before. Um, And I'm not sure if I'm ready to kiss anybody at the gathering that I'm currently at watching this. So I don't know about you, but this feels a little bit weird just reading it once off. But the reality is, is I, I I'm convinced that this has so much to say to us, for a couple of reasons. One of them is just simply that a lot of us haven't said hi to each other in a little while. Um, it's been a long season of lockdown and then not kind of lock, not lockdown. Um, just sort of as we've journeyed through COVID, and the reality is, for a lot of us, um, COVID has been pretty lonely. Um, It's kind of created a sense of lethargy, a sense of being thrown off your rhythm, uh, even sometimes boredom or just insane busyness for so many of us. And so summer comes around and we're just so stoked because it means that we can go off to the cottage, we can go camping, we can finally sort of get out and experience something of normalcy. And I think everybody has been so, so happy since there's a lot of the restrictions have been lifted and we've been able to um, have people over without masks. There's been more vaccinations. But the reality is, with all the conflict, with all the division, with all the exhaustion and the loneliness, I think we're all in need of a lot of grace. And we could really use some welcome and some love and we could really use some peace. And that's exactly what this passage is about this morning. Basically, we need a refresh, and that means we need grace, which is exactly where Peter starts off in the section that we're going to be exploring. Let's just read that verse 12 again. Peter says, if you just jump, skip the first little bit about Sylvanus, we'll get back to that. But he says, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. And the first question to ask is, well, what's the this? What is the true grace of God? And I think the answer is, if you just sort of go all the way through um, 1 Peter, that he's basically been telling you um, about being an elect exile, because uh, that's sort of the situation that he's writing to that the audience is facing. A lot of them have experienced a lot of rejection, um, potentially lost jobs, potentially been um, kicked out of their families because they won't participate in the sorts of cultural things um, that are, go against following Jesus. And so they feel like exiles. They feel like they've been kicked out. But Peter's been trying to remind them that, in fact, while they've been rejected by their friends and family, they've been chosen by God. And that this is the, the true grace of God. Now, the thing about grace is grace is a word that in their culture means favor. And when somebody favors you, just like in our, our culture, um, that looks like gifts, it looks like respect, it looks like appreciation. You really like people that you favor. And it feels really strange to say that you're favored when everybody that you really want to be liked by normally, like your family and friends, are rejecting you because of your connection to Jesus and your decision to follow him. And so Peter has to assure these people that, no, like when you signed up to follow Jesus, you really did, like even though you're experiencing all of this stuff, you're experiencing the true grace of God. And I think that um, just as we consider just some of the pressure that we've been feeling more and more as our culture uh, becomes even more and more hostile um, to those of us who believe that Jesus gets to decide um, all sorts of things. He gets to decide uh, what, how sexuality works. He gets to decide um, actually how we should treat the poor, how we should treat people who look different from us, who are culturally different from us, who are of different ethnicity ethnicity than us, um, we can find ourselves in a lot of places of tension and a lot of pressure. But not only that, there's all sorts of people all over the globe who follow Jesus who, under, who are under absolutely intense pressure right now. Um, it, it would be kind of strange to say that actually the people who are fo- who are followers of Jesus and there is a, a small minority but they exist and they're underground pretty much um, in Afghanistan are favored by Jesus. In the last week, we've watched essentially 20 years of Western foreign policy essentially be rolled back as the Taliban have reconquered Afghanistan. One of the consequences for that, um, of that for Christians is that they basically have, um, are under a massive amount of pressure. A lot of them have death warrants out for them. A lot of them have lost Bibles. Their literature have been arrested, um, had family members like young girls who have basically been forced into sexual slavery um, by Taliban leaders. And so to, to look at them and go, they're actually favored by God sounds insane. But the reality is, is that argument is essentially what Peter's been making the whole way through the letter of 1 Peter. And as we consider the potential consequences of standing up for Jesus in our own context here in Canada, we actually have to reckon with, well, what happens? How do I know that I'm actually favored? I'm actually chosen. I'm actually loved if the closest people to me reject me. And that's where this whole elect exiles thing has come in. And that's why it's so important for us to recognize today. See, for Peter, suffering for doing good, for following Jesus, is actually, and that's following Jesus as Scripture shows in context, that actually is a sign that God picked you. That God loves you. This is why Peter, back in chapter 4, um, if you go to verse 14, he actually says, If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. He's If you're insulted, if you're under pressure, if people don't like you because of Jesus, because of your connection to him and you've decided to follow him, that actually means that you're favored because they're reacting to the Holy Spirit who is in you, who now is the one who directs your whole life. And that actual, and that's why he says that it's that sense of exile, not even just a sense of exile, that reality of social exile or worse, is actually a picture, it's actually a marker of God's love for you. Just like the fact that Jesus was crucified, actually is part of God's whole plan that identifies Jesus as the real Messiah, the one who's come to save and be the hero for the whole world, for everybody from every nation and ethnicity. Every social group, every kind of human needs to find salvation and wholeness and healing and, and rescue from death and sin and hell in Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. And this, this suffering for doing good this rejection by people is actually a sign that you belong, which is basically the last thing anybody who's going through that kind of pressure feels. And it shows your destiny. Some of you uh, were able to watch um, a sermon I preached a number of weeks ago in 1 Peter chapter 2, and I used this thing called the J curve. And I talked about how actually for Peter, that, that being at the bottom of the J, let's See, hopefully this is not a backwards J. I'll do both ways just to make it, it work. But the basically, the Christian life is like a big J. You, the bottom of it here is like suffering, and the top of it is actually the glory that Jesus has chosen you to experience, just like Jesus' experiences as he rules the whole world. And so when you're actually in the bottom of the J, it's actually a sign that you're going to the top of the J, just like Jesus, because you're connected to him through the Holy Spirit. And that's what Peter has said in chapter 4. And so when people reject you, they're actually rejecting you because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit in you, who actually exposes our sin. And he doesn't just expose sin. He actually gives lots of comfort and peace as well. And it's through him that we are healed. But the, the uncomfortable thing, and it really grates against human pride, is the fact that when the Holy Spirit shows up, things get exposed when things get exposed, people get angry, and so when the world hates or shames us because of that, um, it's because the Holy Spirit has shown who we re- who we really are—that we belong to Jesus and we belong to His Father—and that it's actually the family stamp is glowing on us, um, and people are reacting to that, and that the suffering actually shows. That we are, God has made us worthy of his favor through Jesus. See, we, when we come to know Jesus, we don't come to know Jesus. We don't get saved. God doesn't love us because somehow we're worthy. But when he chooses to love us, he actually gives us a special worth because of this inheritance that we've been brought into. Because he's healed us. He's taken us from ruin and he's, taking us in, he's taken us into glory, into further glory. And that's why, actually, this fits right into Peter's experience. Early in Peter's life, he and a bunch of the other apostles got dragged in front of a bunch of political and religious leaders because they were followers of Jesus and they were telling all sorts of people about him. And then they got beaten for it. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, it says, When they left the presence of the council, they were rejoicing that they'd been counted worthy to suffer for the sake of the name. which is nuts. Like that you would actually feel chosen, that you'd actually feel like you'd belong. That you were, that when you'd be rejected, it actually shows that you've been chosen to be worthy. That's insane. And you're only going to experience that if you really love Jesus and you have experienced his love for you. And I think that that is, and we can actually see that in the story of Sylvanus, who's the guy who Peter mentions right at the beginning of um, verse 12, when he says, um, Silvanus, who's a faithful brother as I regard him. See, Sylvanus is a guy who has this really cool backstory in the New Testament. Silas, he, he goes by that name as well. Um, he ends up, Uh, actually going with the Apostle Paul on a bunch of his mission tours. And in one of them, he's in a city called Philippi, and this is recorded in Acts chapter 16, and they get beaten, thrown in jail for Jesus. Another instance of social rejection and suffering. And when they're in there, they actually start singing. It's crazy. They're singing, and all the other prisoners are listening to them, and everyone's really confused. And then there's this crazy earthquake, and then they, they basically go free. Silas is this guy who is who has, is full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and he's faithful, and he's a brother in suffering. And when we look at Silas in that, we actually get a picture of Jesus because Jesus transformed Silas to be like that. Jesus is faithful like Silas. And Jesus is your brother like Silas. So guys, Jesus has actually gone into exile with us. And we are actually um, il- chosen because we're chosen through connection to him. We've been connected to Jesus. We are elect exiles because Jesus is an elect exile. And when we get connected with Jesus through his spirit, we get a brand new identity. And just like Silas is an encouragement to Paul, he's an encouragement to Peter in this le- letter, Jesus is actually an encouragement to us. And he will make a stand. And we especially need this if we're in Babylon. See, that's, that's actually where the next verse goes in verse 13. Peter says, She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son. See, Babylon is kind of a weird word. Maybe you've heard of this city. Maybe you haven't. Babylon is a city in what's or well, it's not really much of a city anymore. It's kind of a ruin, but it's in modern day Iraq. And Babylon is the spot where it's a huge memory for Jewish people, because that's actually where um, when Judea was conquered um, back in about the 500s BC, uh, that's where actually all sorts of Jews were sent into exile. And so Babylon is this symbol of like all of these powers that are stacked up against God, that hate God, and that's where, the, where you actually go to be lonely. You go to, be, to suffer and to be ostracized. And, and Peter is saying th- that she, which is a codename for the church probably, she who's at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son, so you guys, just like grace makes you stand, grace, and that, that grace is shown in this like picture of elect, elect exile, and that makes you solid and stand, grace actually means greeting. It means, it means being welcomed, and it means that we welcome one another. See, we're all in exile. We find ourselves there, and which is why we so need to be welcoming one another. And that's what Peter's aware of. He knows that the people he's writing to need to know that there are other people with them. There's pop- We're all in this together. There's other people with you, with these people. That's exactly, I'm sure, what the believers in Afghanistan need to be aware of. And all other believers who are suffering their, for their faith, both in Canada and around the world. And it really hurts if we don't. It really hurts if we don't greet one another. If we don't welcome one another, especially in the face of all the rejection that so many people experience when and, and we're expected to experience. If we really follow Jesus, and the reality is, is that there's this person that gets mentioned right at the end of this verse. Mark, Jesus, or Peter refers to him as Mark, my son. Mark is a guy who also has a backstory, just like Sylvanus and Silas. A number of years ago, I got to preach uh, a sermon uh, at City Gates about Mark. I don't know if you remember that, um, if you uh, have been a part of uh, our church for a little while. But Mark is this really interesting guy. You may know about the Gospel of Mark, which is one of the big stories of Jesus um, that's in the New Testament, um, known by Mark's name. But Mark uh, is a character that shows up in the book of Acts, and at a crucial moment, when Paul, the apostle, really needs people to stick with him, Mark bails. And we actually don't hear again about Mark in in the story of the book of Acts. But we actually get some, some clues as to what happened to him, particularly from this verse. And I think it's a huge testimony to something that's crucial about Jesus for us to know. See, when we bail, when we fail, when we don't welcome one another, when we don't stick together, when things get really hard, Mark's story reminds us that it's not the end. Just like Peter's story, when we bail or fail, um, reminds us that it's not the end. See, Peter actually refers to Mark as his son. And actually, at the end of Paul's letter to the Galatians, he actually wants Mark to come visit him because Mark's become so... Um, has totally turned around. See, somewhere along the line, I think Peter's experience of denying Jesus, ditching Jesus at his last trial, which is what happened in Jesus' story before he died on the cross, Peter knew about that, and that actually was a resource for him welcoming Mark again. Peter actually refers to him as his son. He welcomes him. And that shows us that when, Je- when we actually bail, when we fail, when we haven't done what we need to in terms of welcoming one another, in terms of showing one another grace, in terms of sticking together, Jesus actually has that for us as well if we will come and take it. See, Jesus welcomes Peter, actually, after he comes back from the dead. He shows up in a room when everybody's scared and shocked, and, and and shocked. Um, It says, Jesus came and stood among them when all the apostles are hiding in a room and said to them, peace be with you. Guys, we experience grace when we greet one another. Grace is for greeting one another. It's for welcoming one another. And that's why it's so important that grace doesn't just stay with us. It actually gets social. It gets communal. It's something that we express through welcoming. And it's something that we especially experience, and really in some ways can only experience when we're in person. And hence, this is why Peter in verse 14 says, Greet one another with a kiss of love. Now this feels a little bit awkward, right? We're, we live in a, a Western culture that's a little bit less, shall we say, affectionate a, a lot of the time. Um, in this context, a, a lot of the time, people would actually, as a way of greeting, it's not like just like the on the cheeks for like, like French style, um, or in some of the other countries in the world, uh, they would actually kiss each other on the mouth, like a, a light kiss on the mouth. And I don't think that that means that we need to be doing that, thankfully. Um, But but the point is this, physical affection is actually just this key way, way. it's this concrete way of showing one another, um, you belong, you're welcome, I'm for you, I love you. And that is so deeply encouraging. I want you to just think about this, okay? If you're in this situation, when so many people are rejecting you, you feel completely alone in the world. And then you come to church, and your family looks at you, and they know what's happened. They know that maybe you've lost your job, you've lost friends, you've struggled, you've felt alone. And, and you come in, and they wrap their arms around you. They kiss you on the head, and they say, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to, you're here. I'm so glad you're with us. We are with you. That's a profound experience of grace. That's a kind of experience of grace that is has a unique experience when it's physicalized. And that means presence. See so guys, here's, here's the thing about grace. Grace actually isn't a one-way line. I'm going to pull out my trusty uh, whiteboard, which I'm sure some of you have seen before. But grace isn't actually like this, like this picture at the bottom. Sometimes we think, because grace is unmerited, it's one-way love, and that's I think sometimes a helpful phrase because it's, it's trying to get at the fact that we we didn't earn anything, we didn't earn our way into God's kingdom or His family. We didn't have anything to bring to the table. When we were dead, we couldn't make ourselves alive. When we were blind, we couldn't make ourselves see. But the reality is, is that grace. The problem with this picture is that the idea is that grace basically comes from God. Imagine. Um, that this side represents God's side, it, it goes, just, it stops here. And grace isn't like that. Grace is not just a me and God sort of thing. It's not just like a you and God sort of thing. Grace is actually meant to be a circle. It's kind of like an electric current. See, like an electric current has a power source, but it actually goes through a whole, when a, the current is working, you've experienced this when you've had to change a light bulb in your house, like the, the current is going through a whole circuit. It's going through a whole set of light bulbs and the same electricity is going through all of the light bulbs. But the, there's actually a problem when you have a blown out light bulb that doesn't work. Like the current kind of is just going to one place and then it's bouncing back and it's actually not going through them. It's not even really re- being received with the light bulb, especially if it's broken. And so, I think that's actually a really good picture of the way grace is meant to work. Grace isn't just meant to stop and stay with us. It's actually meant to be spread around. It's like when you, you, grace, another word for grace is God's generosity, his abundance. And when you've experienced the love of God, it spills over. You actually can't contain it. God's Holy Spirit is poured into your heart. When you become a Christian, you experience love and freedom and joy because Jesus is with you and he's for you and he has grace for you and he's forgiven your sin and set you free and to walk in his new life. And when that happens, you you almost can't contain it when that happens to you. And that's meant to be a continuous process. We're constantly meant to be getting energy from the power source and having it flow through us. And then we give our lives back to God. We give our lives in love to one another because we love Jesus because he has first loved us. It's not meant to stop with us. It's meant to continue in us in this beautiful circle. And it energizes you. See, guys, grace makes an us. Like I've been saying, it's this overflowing cup. It's an overflowing current. And the thing is, is it creates harmony. It creates wholeness. It creates peace. See, Peter finishes in verse 14 with this last line. He says, peace to all of you who are in Christ. Peace is what we long for right now in our society especially when it's been torn up by conflict. There's just been another election called, and that we know that that's gonna be more conflict as different parties um, seek voters and, and try to make change in our country. But peace is about harm, harmony. Biblical peace is about harmony. It's not just a sense of calm. It's not just a sense of nothing conflicting or scary is going on in my life. Peace, biblically, is about a whole. It's about a circle. It's about harmony. When you have peace with someone, you are together. <laughs> There's unity. It's like in, in Ephesians, uh, Paul talks about how Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of hostility and made peace by the blood of his cross. There's no more dividing walls in peace. There's a unity there. And peace is, often refers even to like bodily wholeness. When someone is healed, they have peace in their body. And so greeting and welcome, what Peter's been talking about this whole time, he's gone from grace, this beautiful reality he's been talking about the whole time, that even if you're rejected and you're in exile, you are experiencing the grace of God. And then he talks about how that grace, that sense of generosity and abundance, flows over into welcoming other people, in being kind to one another, to one another, in going out and loving one another. And that actually results in peace. That greeting and welcome is actually the thing that creates this circle of us together. Because we feel connected when we love one another, when we give each other a hug, when you shake somebody's hand in a way that says, I'm so glad to see you. This piece is for all of you who are in Christ. That's what Peter says. Guys, and this is another final encouraging thing about Jesus. You are in Jesus. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be picked out by him. And as a former professor of mine, Daryl Johnson at Regent College likes to say, you can't get closer than in. In a time when things have been so lonely and so dark for so many of us, when there's been exhaustion and lethargy and boredom, you have the promise that you are in Jesus just as his spirit is in you. And you actually have a unique opportunity when we come together to celebrate Jesus on our Sunday mornings and, and then in our small groups to actually experience that togetherness, that, that peace. So you, you experience peace uniquely when you're with other people and you're loved by them. And Jesus identifies with his community. Guys, Jesus, is uniquely with us when we come together. Jesus identifies with his community. That's why when he confronts Paul on the, on the road to Damascus, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul isn't actually beating up Jesus physically. Jesus is physically in heaven, but his presence is all among his people. And so Jesus, says, what you do to them, you actually do to me. And when you, we don't gather, when we don't spend time together, when we don't make it a consistent priority to check in, to be with one another, in person we actually miss out on that and we miss out on the re, the full reality that we've been called to as christians see being in jesus means being with his people it means being with him we actually go from me to we and then it doesn't it's not about me anymore and so guys as we close i want to leave you with some challenges This is a crucial moment in our church's history. I think I I mentioned earlier um, in this sermon about how uh, we have actually been, we we used to meet at the St. Francis Center. We're not doing that anymore, um, at least not regularly for the foreseeable future. And we have a really unique moment to actually transition into smaller gatherings where we come together to worship and then we learn about what we've worshiped in in our small groups um, during the week. And guys, it's a really, really key thing for us to be plugged in, for us to be encouraging one another, to be welcoming one another, to be experiencing grace, this current, this circle of grace, in order for us to stand as things get harder. This is what it means to actually be a follower of Jesus. We love one another. And if we don't show up, if we don't show up for for each other in tangible ways, we don't get to experience that love fully. So I want to challenge you. Whatever's in the way of you coming, you need to make gathering a priority insofar as we have that opportunity. This is really important. And, And not only that, but this is the place that you experience grace. We need to act like we belong to each other because we do. And we belong to each other because we belong to Jesus. So set aside the time. Find out the ways that you need to make time in your schedule. If you've had a hard time, if you're just tired, maybe you need to take some, time, some other time out of your week so that you can be available. Maybe you need to reach out to someone to say, I don't actually have anything. I need help. I need grace. Would you, would you help me? <laughs> You can do that. You can reach out to any of the leaders. You can reach out to me. Um, Talk to somebody if you're here at a watch party. Message somebody in your small group. If you're not part of one, get in one. This is so important. Show up. Pitch in. It's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so I'm going to close with this. With the same benediction that Peter has. When he says... After you've suffered a little while, this is our hope, City Gates. The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will establish you. There's a, there's, there's an, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Grace and peace.